right, Kirk, the word on the street is that you have a game to play. I do. That is the word. That is the word. That is the accurate word. And the word that is most important in this game is the name of the game, the title. It is called... And can you like put this like in like letters, like make my hands, like make it in front of my screen real quick when you do post prod? No. Is that cool with you? I don't do post prod on the streams, but you well, can, can you we do can it this one time. <laughs> we can just imagine it, Kirk. <laughs> okay. Imagine my hands, listeners only. And Cam D Man. Cam D Man, yes. Yes. I must give the naming credit to you. You texted me last week and said the only thing I want to happen next week is a game called Camdy Man. That's true. I did say that. And, you know, my narcissism is showing, but it's true. I just, <laughs> I love, you know, right now that's my name on Twitter, Camdy Man. I changed, yes. I changed it. I, I enjoy things like that. So I was like, well, you got to come up with a game. And I left it to you. I just handed it to you from there. I was like, here you go. So I'm, I'm eager to see what this is. Say no more. Say no more. This game, Cam... There's lots of candy in the world, but what's really incredible is that there's lots of candy in movies. That's right, oh, in no. movies. We're going to talk about some some candy in movies. Uh, you don't have to guess the movie. I'm going to pitch that to you. You just have to guess what kind of candy it is. Sometimes it's like straight up candy. Sometimes it's like kind of like a candy, uh, like a yummy treat. It's That's not like cake. Like that would be a dessert, right? Sure. So think of like the in-between candies that you can't quite unwrap. I might have said too much already, but this is Candy Man. Let's do it. I wish I had the um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dim the lights. Oh, wait. That's, <laughs> Dim the uh, lights. Let's go. Oh, wait. That's American Idol, isn't it? That's American Idol. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, Regis. Rest in peace. The first one. Cam. What type of yummy, light, airy candy does Billy Madison consume with one of dad's employees at a graduation party in Billy Madison? Cotton candy. Bingo. Yes. Well done. Nailed well it. done. Oh, Who's eating it? I gave my own sound effect. <laughs> yes, I believe he's eating it with um, uh, Carl, old Carl, you know, who's been yes. their, their mentor, um, business partner, dad's business partner. And they, I don't know what grade he graduates, maybe second grade, maybe third grade. And uh, they're just eating some yummy pink cotton candy <laughs> right delicious. there on the lawn. Billy Madison makes me pee my pants every time. If peeing your pants was cool. Next one up of this game of Camdy Man, what type of candy is Sloth's favorite in The Goonies? Ooh. <sighs> Juju fruit? It is not Juju fruit. Dang. Why was I thinking that? It was so strong. It was so strong in my brain. I was like, it's Juju fruit. <laughs> I mean, you answered right away. I did. It was. <laughs> I was so confident. It is Baby Ruth. Oh, Baby Ruth. Ruth. Give myself that's right. three for that. That was that's sad. <laughs> that is okay. That is okay. There's there's plenty of opportunity to come back here. This famous candy, Cam the Camdy Man, lined the halls of this suburban home when an unexpected visitor showed up one day. I didn't give you the movie. There's an unexpected visitor. Oh. There's candy in the hallway. Yeah, Reese's Pieces. It's e. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. Bravo, bravo. That's, that's the reason. That movie is the reason. I, I can remember when it came back to theaters for the, uh, what anniversary must it have been? I was a kid. Maybe the. It might have been 20. 20th? Yeah. I was it could have been 20. the 20th anniversary. And they like enhanced the Reese's Pieces scene. 
And yeah. I was like, dude, that's the ultimate movie candy. From then on, I was like, always Reese's Pieces. And I only eat them at the movies, but that was like, it, it's an elite candy for that reason. It is, it is. And is it correct? Did they make Reese's Pieces for that movie? Is I that believe correct? I believe that was like the first appearance of the It's candy. debut. Yeah. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Brilliant. Steven Spielberg. I have all your movies. Next up. Name the two items. This one's tricky. Very tricky. Name the two different items, different candy items, if you will, that make the perfect snack in Lindsay Lohan's Parent Trap. Okay. She's at camp. Yes. She has met herself. Yep. As the twin. They're locked up together, the twins. And they're eating this yummy it's candy. Oreos and peanut butter? Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's like Jackie's favorite movie. She watches The Parent Trap all the time. So I watched it as a kid, but I have to I have to reach back far back there to get it. Oh, man. I love that movie. I remember seeing it in theaters, mainly because it was almost a traumatic experience in theaters. This, uh, this very um, just brute uh, person b- behind me. I couldn't see them. It was super dark. They put their foot on my armrest. Oh, and no. I was like nine. And I kept trying to put my foot there. And this person kept like moving my arm off. And I was like, man, what's going on? What did I do to you? Yeah, That's, <laughs> that's what I remember most of the parent. Tra- <laughs> that's Bush league, man. You can't be doing that. What's, what's going on. But then I discovered in that scene, no one had ever shown that to me. Now you can get on TikTok and, and Twitter and Facebook and see all sorts of different wonderful creations. But back then, that was groundbreaking, groundbreaking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, before the internet, that, the, that's where you got good ideas from. Yes, and I eat that to this day. Uh, very much so like yesterday, I had an Oreo with yes, peanut butter. Yes, love it. So good. Um, this one is the final one in this game of Camdy Man, and it's a, it's a softball. It's sentimental. I just want to know, do you know uh, one of the most famous candies on the Wonka Elevator Wonka elevator wall, not the elevator, but um, it's somewhat of a of a of a transport, if you will, where there's wallpaper and you can taste different things. And um, what's the one I'm thinking of, Cam? That tastes exactly as it sounds. Oh gosh, I've seen the Wonka movie. I've seen that movie thousands of times. Yes, it's just before they get to the the Chocolate River and they get to explore all the candy. But the wallpaper, what is that one? The, I'm trying to oh, find the, my wall. The snozberries. It is the, the snozberries taste like snozberries. Yes. That's right. right. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> That's why it was it wasn't coming to me right away because it was like a made up thing. But yes, of course. Yes, and that is Candyman. Yes, Kirk. Let me see if I have a round of applause sound effect for you. Yeah, Kirk. Woo! And yay me! I got like what four out of five or something like that. That was pretty good. You did. You're That's wonderful. I mean, you you intentionally make the games easy because you're you fear my wrath, um, and I appreciate oh, yeah, I that. I won't make that mistake anymore. Um. <laughs> like, don't make me look like an idiot. But no, I mean, seriously, uh, I am so bad at those games that it, like, that was hard for me. And I did, I did pretty well. So you did wonderfully. We'll yes. But now Kirk, it's time for me to ask you, uh, you a question. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yes. <clears throat> Here's my question to you. Who can take the sunrise? <laughs> sprinkle it with dew. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. Who can do it, Kirk? Candyman. Candyman. No, not no. Stop. Candyman. Yeah, stop there. Let's stop there. Because I got a. I have a not a mirror in front of me, but it's a. 
well, I have a camera in front of me, but I also have a window and I can see myself in it. And so we're just going to leave it. We're going to leave it there. But yes, we're talking about Candyman today. We're talking about Candyman. I got, I got to stop saying it, but we're going (laughs) to, we're going to talk about this film. Uh, Kirk, you are due for synopsis if you're, if you are prepared for that. Uh, this is going to be more of a combo because this movie is a sequel, which um, I don't think either of us were prepared for Correct. it to be a sequel. Um, this there's the, the original movie came out in 1992. Um, it was very groundbreaking um, just because of how um, clever it was. It was a new horror character uh, in the world that had who was already saturated with crazy characters, you know, Eraserhead, uh, Phantasm, one of my absolute favorites, uh, Mike Myers, um, the list goes on. There's just billions and billions of, of horror characters. <laughs> and this one kind of changed that mold. It, it turned into more of a, of a thriller. I mean, Cameron, you said that this, the original was uh, not as scary as this one correct uh, as the sequel and i thought they did a great job for myself walking into this not knowing it was a sequel and understanding every piece of the movie every moving part i didn't feel left out like man i bet that was a really cool plot line from the first one i felt really included and in the know so bravo jordan peele what we find that happens in this movie based on this ancient, ancient lore uh, of a of a fable, if you will, that is true in this world, at least in the world of Candyman, um, is that there were some, uh, some crazy things that happened, I believe, in the 1800s. Uh, some, uh, some people who were thought to be, in a way, bewitched. There were some there were some sacrifices made and because someone was killed uh, erroneously, uh, he lived on to haunt and to send a message. And what's fantastic about the storytelling here is that it's not just, okay, he's living on to haunt again, living on to haunt again, living on to haunt again. We get this, uh, this social justice wrapped up in this uh, with the lives of, of African Americans in that he lives on to tell the tale because uh, not only was he erroneously killed, he was a black man that was killed um, more so strictly upon um, the color of his skin uh, versus uh, versus anything else. Because I believe it's a black man and a white woman who had a who had a child. Is that right? That's at least right. it was a relationship. Right. Yep. Yeah. So they had a child, uh, and that's why at the core of this, it is a a fight for uh, equality. Uh, I, I just, uh, my mind was blown by this movie. I did not expect all of these different um, facets to come about. And what we find is ultimately in this, in the sequel, I'm going to talk forever. In the sequel, we get Yaya who plays uh, a wonderful character by the name of Anthony McCoy. He is an artist, a uh, struggling artist, although he's got a fancy apartment because his girlfriend that he is very much in love with uh, has a fancy, fancy job, and he's trying to make it. You see his art on the wall. He's doing he's doing some cool stuff. He just hasn't made it yet. Well, he gets an idea uh, of uh, inspiration, if you will, of the lore of Candyman, and then he gets obsessed with it, and then ultimately we find out that... Candyman lives on very much so in our world today. Yes, yes, uh, it's a it's a great call. I think, um, and I'll talk about it more later. Uh, spoiler alert from me. I'm going to spoil myself here. But the the fact that this I I, I re- would refer to this as the only direct sequel to the original film. Honestly, it's not mm-hmm. a remake. It's not 
a retelling. I mean, in a way, it, it is both of those things because of the gap and because of the way that they go about the storytelling. But it is also a straight-up sequel to the original. And there are Candyman sequels. They take place in different areas. And I wouldn't really consider them direct sequels to the original. This one is. So it's it's interesting. It's different than much different than I was anticipating, for sure. But great job, Kirk. Let's let's dive into it. Let's start with our, our acting awards, as we always do. And I want to know who your best actor was in this film. Who was who's the Oscar going to? The Oscar is going straight to Yahya Abdul Mateen II. He continues to just shine through the screen. I mean, what's beautiful about his role here is uh, Yahya is basically a specimen of a human being uh, in, in real life. I mean, he's probably 170 pounds, six foot four of pure muscle. I don't even understand how that's possible, um, but it is just incredible to watch him. There's a moment, there's a, a moment of dialogue where his girlfriend's brother, Troy, uh, states very early on in the movie, because uh, they're like, quipping at each other and he and he says why don't you go put down those weights and pick up your paintbrush so you can support my sister i love that line it's it's like daggers it's so good and uh and yeah yeah as anthony uh he he's like true not a, you're, you're right i gotta do i gotta do my part right <laughs> i gotta support her there there's there's something so great to that because yaya just looks like uh, just like this, this piece of meat. Uh, at first glance, you're like, "Oh, look at him!" There's, he's just like perfect. Congratulations! No, you see, you see, just this. That's that's like this, uh, this false facade, this red herring, if you will, uh, because you immediately start seeing a real person uh, in every role that he plays, but especially this one where um, what you see is not what you get, uh, which, which we really had the the rug pulled out from under us on this. What we saw as, Oh, this is a haunting tale, uh, a recurring haunting that jumps from one person to the next. Maybe at least the first half of it, it kind of felt like that. And then it just unravels into this uh, greater, uh, greater being, greater meeting uh, for everyone involved what yaya does uh, as anthony mccoy is you see him become growingly obsessed with Candyman um from just uh just the amount of notes that he must have taken to himself of the progression of becoming Candyman um was incredible um i kind of thought of it as um like eddie redmayne in the theory of everything he his body deteriorates his muscles deteriorate well yaya gets bit by that bee uh in the projects and then ultimately it just starts creeping 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 up his arm into his neck and he becomes the candy man you see the hive right the hive makeup and he he just there's not a moment that he misses uh that he like steps back that he steps out of it he is just the progression is so perfect that i don't know of many performances that are that precise um that precise but that open at the same time because he's also this artist who has these like this fluid movement when he walks around and this kind of a little bit of carefree attitude all of those elements i cannot speak enough on how yaya is one of my favorite actors on the scene right now and easily takes the throne i 100 percent agree kirk i i am amazed by what Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is able to do um, on the screen. He's he's new on the scene. I, I was first introduced to him, I think, as you were with Watchmen on HBO, where he played Cal. Holy smokes, what a performance he gave in that one. Something that's understated, nuanced, 
beautiful performance that just grows in significance as the show grows and it's incredible but also stole the show in uh the trial of the chicago seven he's in the cast of i believe he's in the cast of furiosa coming up he's also in the cast of uh matrix Re- what are they calling it now revolutions revelations uh, resurrections resurrections mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those r words um, <laughs> that, so he's in the cast of that he's in a ton of stuff coming up and man he is if he's going to be jordan peele's muse going forward i think it's it's a match made in heaven i mean jordan to be clear nia DaCosta is the director of this film and we'll talk plenty about her and what she brought to the table but this is a jordan peele uh film produced by his production company he was also one of the co-writers and and sort of in his universe of horror films but you know he's worked with Daniel Kaluuya he's worked with um, Lakeith Stanfield you know both incredible actors in their own right I mean when you think about it all the great young actors that we have right now Hollywood is in a great place and I think Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is perhaps you know, the one that I'm most excited about as, as a performer, I just think what he brings to the table is, is electric. And I think you hit on it a little bit. I think the, the character study that he did for this role was next level because he ends up over the progression of the film becoming Candyman. And the original Candyman was iconically played by Tony Todd in the 1992 film. And he, he bears a striking resemblance to Tony Todd in, in a certain light. I think that's why I liked the original casting just from a, uh, you know, a look perspective. Uh, I, I just mixed perspective and aesthetic. <laughs> from, a, from a look perspective, my brain is yes. really not working tonight. But I liked it. And then when he started delivering and when he started to build this character, it was like, wow, this is really nuanced. This is really next-level stuff that he's doing. And it was great. Um, <clears throat> a really complicated character but it all builds to that, you know, it culminates to that final scene where he completes his trans- transformation into the Candyman and he delivers, you know, in the first movie there's this, you know, Candyman is like delivering these like booming voiceovers uh, that are kind of eerie and and when he finally transforms into Candyman with the final scene with the cops, he's, he's doing the, I am the white writing on the wall. I am the sweet smell mm. of blood. And it's just like, when that happens, it's like goosebumps. You're scared, but you're loving it. You're like, Oh, this is so awesome. And, and it, the transformation could not have been more perfect. And I think it was just due to a really cash money performance by Yaya Abdul-Mateen the second. I, I, I loved it. It won't get, I don't know that it'll get award, commendations or anything like that but it's one of those performances that you just have to sit back and really love and enjoy and it's something that i'll i'll want to revisit in the future for sure for sure yeah i love what you say about awards you know the only other movie of a horror thriller caliber that we know of is the silence of the lambs best picture best actor best actress and could we see that with this movie Maybe. It's possible. I mean, it's going to be a really competitive year. I think that's the thing that I come back to. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot for the Academy to like about this movie. And we'll talk about scores, obviously. But the perf- the acting performances were second to none. I, th- I thought they mm-hmm. were so good. And and that's the perfect segue to move into Scene Stealer, Kirk. And I want to know who your Scene Stealer was for this film. This one, man, pretty easy for me. Miss Tiana Paris. Miss yep. Tiana Paris. You know her, of course, from WandaVision. Uh, she plays, oh my goodness, what's her character's name? 
can't Monica remember Rambo. Thank you, Monica Rambo. Uh, she she is exquisite in that role. And what's you know that was her debut for us. Uh, she's been in other things, but that was her debut. And seeing her in this light, you immediately received uh, just a whole other color to her. Uh, warm, vibrant, uh, real. When she got angry, you felt how angry she was, but it was a real anger, not like a forced, like, I'm acting angry now. I'm going to be angry at you. Uh, how dare you, Anthony? Like, she was like sarcastic, angry, but like there's like these loving undertones in there. And it was so full. Uh, there was a, just a fully developed character that was uh, nothing like her, uh, her counterpart, of course, in, in the MCU that I'm sure we'll see again for many years to come. I loved it. She captivated me. She was um, restrictive at times, which is uh, often a trick that actors do in order for you to like draw in nearer to them. So, right, like if you if you want to cry, don't cry. Like just let your eyes let your eyes well up with tears and maybe just barely let them come out. If you can, don't let them fall. Don't let them fall if it calls for it. Um, there were times where you're just like, she's going to scream her head off right now, and she didn't. Uh, and then there were a couple. There was only like one blood curdling scream that you heard and it was cut too. It was like you heard it start and then it was drawn out from you uh, because the direction on this movie was exquisite. Uh, I, I just imagine that this was just a, a full on playground workshop for all of these actors, but Tiana Bravo, Bravo. Yep. I am also going with Tiana Ferris, Kirk. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, and, and you know, th- there were good performances all around the board. These two were the ones to, to really highlight, um, you mentioned Monica Rambeau, good news for fans of this movie and fans of WandaVision. Nia DaCosta is the director of the Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel and which will feature, uh, you know, Photon, Monica Rambeau, whatever you want to call her. So Nia DaCosta and Tiana Paris will be reunited on the silver screen again in the MCU. So that's very exciting off the heels of this, but this performance, what I love about it is the character arc um, really enriches what she's doing from the performance, and she enriches the character arc. So while Yaya Abdul-Mateen's character, Anthony McCoy, is you know completing this long transition of turning into Candyman over time, Tiana Paris, you know her character Brianna Cartwright, is going in the opposite direction but they both sort of meet at the same place at the end and so it again a complex character one that you have to measure and and make sure that you are reacting just the right way to information you're being told again they have to grow farther and farther in part each interaction that they have but at the end they need to meet at a place of mutual understanding for the plot to be effective and it has to feel real and authentic and and believable and i think because she gave such a great performance um it went off without a hitch and it actually made for a really stunning finale visually um cinematically from an acting perspective all of it um just just really swell and i think that tayana paris was the driving force behind that i mean we we gushed about her in wandavision as soon as she came on the screen it was like whoa this is star power i mean just truly takes over and it's and it's great and and this was no different so um what an exciting duo i I was you know i I was I, i was loving every second of it it was so good yeah yeah uh this 
Oh gosh, I, I can't. I just want to talk all about it. This is going to be a seven-hour episode, please, <laughs> gentlemen, because it was just so exquisite. When you talk about they started at different places and had to meet, um, we saw them immediately in love, uh, and then we saw their paths kind of take off. It's for my musical theater nerds out there. There's a musical called Last Five Years where you know they they're going through a divorce, and one person at the beginning of the story. Uh, is at the beginning of their relationship. They're telling it on two different timelines uh, where they're like so happy, in love, excited. Uh, the the guy is, and the the girl, she is devastated. She just found, she basically just finalized their divorce, filed the papers, and they just go and they cross at a couple different points where you see like light and then you also see darkness uh, in their relationship. And that very much was here too. And uh, just what, what an incredible um, expression of of a relationship. It was so real. It was so real. Absolutely. All right, let's move over to the technical side of of analyzing this film and let's talk about Showstopper and what it was that our director Nia DaCosta or her her production team and and the casting crew pulled off that really took your breath away, Kirk. Yeah, it definitely has to go straight to the director um, because the storytelling in this film was absolutely incredible. I'm going to hit on two specific things. The the Candyman can only kill you uh, or his his uh, gateway to you is through a mirror, right? Um, say his name five times and he will come and take you away in various horrible, horrifying ways. Uh, so we immediately were just like totally uh, horrified that the the movie operator at Marcus Theaters, O'Fallon, Illinois, had somehow messed up the digital play <laughs> tape on this thing because you get you get the the production companies and everything is in reverse, everything is mirrored. I'm looking at Cam. I was like, is that on purpose? Is this like part of the part of the the joke here? Well, yeah. Backstory the- there is that one time you and I went to go see Iron Man <laughs> two at midnight, and halfway through the movie, it flipped upside down, and they had yes. to turn it off, and we had to go home having only seen half of the movie. So you and I yes. were both like triggered hard. Yes. By yep. that. And that experience, they actually like made everyone wait full theater, packed, hundreds of people made us wait, gave us free snacks. We're like, sweet, great consolation, great choice. And then they sent us home when it, they, cause they tried to play. Yeah, it was it again. like 45 was, minutes, man, devastating free popcorn, free soda. But I would have rather seen the movie cause I then had to come back the next day. Worth it. I digress. The storytelling in this movie, we see the mirrors and they pop, they pop up and then we see the city and you don't know uh, of Chicago. Uh, you don't know if you're going forward or if you're going back, if you're rising or if you're falling, just absolutely incredible cinematography work. Absolutely incredible. Um, uh, mirroring the plot line, mirroring the storyline of this movie. And there are mirrors all over the place, but not in, not like in your face. It's, it's more of an introduction in that aspect. We, we very early on, uh, see the, the characters looking in mirrors. We see the, um, what's her name? The critic who go, comes to yeah. Anthony's, uh, show, uh, or the, the, you know, the mutual show with all the different artists and you see her face, uh, double-sided, right? Um, there's a lot of references. I'm, I, I can't wait to buy this movie so I can see more of it because they're, they're all throughout and they're just kind of hidden in different places where it's not in your face. So the subtlety and the clear, but also the clear connection to what the duality of every single character, uh, as everything is not as it seems 
there are two sides of this story. It's not just a haunting. It's also uh, a bigger issue uh, that this was this was a hate-filled crime. And the reason the Candyman comes back is because he's trying to solve the problem, as what ghosts do. They have unfinished business. So all of it together, just an incredible, incredible story. Uh, we, we see this uh, this this art this artwork uh, come alive too so mirrors and the art that plays into the artistry of this movie we see um you know they tell they tell the story of the original film through uh, like through a child's eyes to make it super simple for you uh with like little paper cutouts and, and silhouettes of like flashlight shadows on the wall uh which also plays against white versus black that do that that very uh that very critical very tense uh thing that we have uh in our in our nation still and in in the world this 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 director knew exactly what she, where she was going. Uh, Jordan Peele knew exactly where he was going with this. The characters, the actors knew what they needed to do because of that leadership. Um, and then a little behind the scenes stuff. I did see an article where uh, Nia said that she got pushback from uh, a, cr- a crowd or a council of uh, white executives that were above her and Jordan. And there weren't, they, they got some sass like with either their choices or um, just policies on set, something, something of that degree that she is a little excited to take a break from it, even though she's very passionate about the work that she does to be going and doing a superhero movie because it was so hard. She lives that every day anyways, but then to be in a place where she can express that work and then in the industry also still have to battle it when the piece that she's putting out is that so there's so much wrapped in this movie that i i mean again i could go on and on and on and on but the storytelling between the mirrors and the artistry and how they reflect each other is really spectacular yeah great call kirk good lots of good nuggets in there i I think uh, my showstopper is down a similar line, but with a totally different angle on it in terms of, you know, the actual narrative itself. And, and for me, it's really about how this one enhances the first film. So I think, again, like Kirk said, if you haven't seen the first movie, no biggie. Your, your bases will totally be covered. You don't need to have seen it. They, they, they get you all caught up. They do it in a very stylish way. It's nice and easy. So Kirk and I have the dual experience. He hadn't seen the first one. I had. But the the way that this movie enhances the first one is everything. I think if you haven't seen it, you should go back and watch it. Or if you're you know waiting to see it, whatever. Like the two work together so nicely. What's interesting is I felt strongly about the first film that first of all, it wasn't an effective scary movie. I didn't find it overly effective. It didn't scare me a few cheap jump scares, nothing that really sticks with you from a scare perspective. But from a theme perspective for a horror movie, it was eons ahead of its time for 1992. It was hitting on things, even, you know, like racial issues have always been talked about. I mean, have been talked about in film for a long time, just in a more um, passive, deeply thematic way. And Candyman was one of those movies that really elevated that to the forefront and then still had deep themes on top of it. So the whole story with the first one is you've got Helen Lyle, who's this researcher who's looking into the story. She's a white woman. She's learning about the gentrification of Cabrini Green, Chicago, the class struggle, the race struggle, 
etc. She ends up having an experience with Candyman and then ends up getting framed by Candyman for all these murders. You know, it's actually Candyman who's killing all these people, but it keeps looking like her. She's always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so it's sort of this projection of the African-American experience in the United States onto a white person and it all culminates to this final scene where she sacrifices herself for a young African-American baby, saves the baby, and then dies to defeat Candyman. But she understands then why Candyman is sort of necessary. And there's this whole play on like that sacrifice was necessary for progress to be made. And it's really, I mean, it's like next level stuff. If the movie was more effective, I think it would, you know, it'd be remembered as like this incredible piece of art because it, it, it takes on some crazy stuff. So jump ahead to this movie where they take that and they go, Hey, the things that you couldn't say in the first movie, we're going to say it and we're going to say it on 11. Like we're going to go there. We're going to, we're going to go as far as we need to go with this story. And so you get this situation where similar stories, you've got Cabrini green, you've got gentrification talking about how, you know, the, the politicians and, and, and the white community moves into these areas of, you know, the ghetto or, you know, lower income, black, primarily black housing, goes in there and separates, cuts it off so that it becomes the ghetto and then comes in, pushes all the black people out and makes it, you know, something that we've seen. That's that's something that's happened in our world. So you've got that theme. You've got this theme of like storytelling, folklore, which I loved. It was so rich. This idea that you have to remember where you came from and that if you lose that, then you lose your ability to move forward. And I was like, like, so beautiful. And they tell that whole story with Tayana Paris where she is experiencing success, but she's still running into some of these same hurdles, but she's like, no, the Candyman isn't real. We don't need the Candyman. While Yaya is on this other path where he's seeing all the hurdles that still exist, all the issues that still happen. And it culminates at the end where there's this situation where she is in, you know, it, it comes to full focus, like, no, there are still problems in this world and you can't run away from the past. You have to embrace it. The past being Candyman. We need Candyman to move forward. And so then it becomes this story of like Candyman being almost a hero, a protector of the black community, particularly in, you know, inner city Chicago. Um, and man, it's just like rich as all get out. And, and whether whether or not you agree or what have you, if you have different, I mean, there's always differences of opinion I, uh, you know, can't comment much on the black experience in the United States, but what I can say is that it's extraordinarily thought-provoking, and wherever you land on it, it's like, wow, it's powerful, it's well done, and it's strong. Like you said, Kirk, they were facing pushback from the studio. Well, they did not pull any punches, man. They did not pull any punches at all. They go to where they need to go to tell the story. They lay these seeds for all these different themes, but none of them are left incomplete. They're all brought to fruition. And it culminates, I think I've said culminates like 15,000 times. I like it. But it all sort of builds to this final conclusion that is just a great payoff, a really great payoff with the final Candyman reveal um, in an epic scene with VFX and music. And it's just, it's cinema, you know? Like the Martin Scorsese meme, like this is cinema. Um, (laughs) It's that, so... Nia DaCosta, um, incredible work by her and team. And we'll move over to the other side of the production and talk about some notes for her and her production crew. 
What you got, Kirk? Director's shoes. Man, not much. It was a really tight movie, really tight. I love, uh, this is like movie therapy for me a lot of the times because uh, I'll see a movie and I'm like, okay, I think I know how I feel about it. And then you and I start talking. I'm like, no, I know now. I know now, Cam. <laughs> this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling this tonight. There's not, there's really not a lot of uh, setbacks in this. The, the I'll say, unfortunately and specifically, I think the, um, I'll say two things. I think the, what do you call it? The art gallery curator, yeah. uh, whatever that guy's name of the creep who like hit on the interns yep. um, and like tricked them. Um, oh goodness. Uh, which is probably why I hated him. Cause it was like, he was such a sleazy character. I think he was miscast. I think he could have been a little bit more uh, intense, a little bit more. There wasn't enough to him being the first kill, or I guess the second kill in the movie. Yeah. I feel like there should have been a little bit more there that gave us, just cringe factor even though um the opening the the their deaths him and the girl he was tricking and manipulating was was great their deaths were great it's a weird sentence to say and then the second <laughs> thing i want to say uh is on tiana paris's character brianna is that her storyline her and her brothers troy their storyline of their father was not amped up enough uh this movie was a tight 90 minutes 91 minutes something like that and they talk about how her father, um, you know, he, he committed suicide right in front of her eyes. And it was, I thought there was so much more there. You, she does a fantastic job. Tiana Paris does of conveying that in the few opportunities that she gets, uh, same as Troy. They, they did there. I mean, I think they might actually be siblings, uh, but just based on their, their give and take the, there, there was more there to be explored. If you're giving us that information, that should affect us in a little bit deeper of a way. And I don't think we got there with them. And I almost think it would have been better to completely have it outside of the, of this film um, rather than put it in. Um, so they should, if, if you wanted that 90 minute mark, take that part out because it was probably four and a half minutes of screen time anyways. Um, but if you wanted to give us, give that to us, we need an extended version of that. Yeah, I'll buy that. I think that's, I think those are both good notes. Um, for me on director's shoes, two things. Um, first is not even about the movie. It's about the trailer. I think the fact that it was so evident in the trailer that the film was about Yahya Abdul-Mateen II's character, Anthony McCoy, turning into Candyman, that you know that going in, and I, I wish I hadn't, man. I really wish I hadn't known. I, I, I don't think I would have lasted long in the movie before I figured that out, but it would have been really satisfying to be like, oh, I see what they're doing. You know, like, because they built it so beautifully. I just really thought, you know, from a, from a narrative, it was, it was so solid that I was like, man, can't you have structured the trailer in a way where it wasn't clear that that's what they were building toward? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I get it. You got to get people to see the movie and, and, and maybe that helps, but I think that was a bad move. It took a little bit out of the wind out of my sails uh, as a viewer. But the other thing is actually the VFX, uh, which were minimal. I think most of the effects were practical. I thought there were situations in which there were not practical. Like there were there were practical effects that could have been used, but they didn't for whatever odd reason. Like I'm particularly looking at the art gallery scene where the um, projector screen rips. It like looks really fake and, and it shouldn't, you know, it should be something that's pretty easy to pull off with practical effects. And 
overall, the direction was bold and, and artsy and had a great aesthetic and consistent feel. And I appreciate that. But there were times where the visual effects were a little bit too bold. Like the stylistic choices were a little bit too out there that it sort of made some of the kills look ridiculous. Like particularly when the art um, critic gets like, you're zooming out, you get like kind of the rear window shot uh, <laughs> there, Alfred Hitchcock style, where you're zooming out from the apartment complex and you see her being like killed by Candyman, the invisible Candyman in this case. Um, and it just looked very fake and it was odd. I feel like there was a better way to go about that. So there were a couple instances of that. Additionally, like some bee situations where the bees looked kind of fake. So those were, you know, that happens. It's a, it's a lower budget movie. Sometimes it's actually more expensive to do things practical than with VFX, actually more often than you would think. So I get it. Uh, but there were parts where it kind of, kind of took me out of it. So just little minor notes there. Yep. All right. Agreed. Let's Agreed. move into final thoughts and scores. Kirk, you have the floor. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, I will say that I did not watch the trailer very many times to understand that. Uh, so I did go in blind. I did not know that he he became Candyman. Oh, good. Um, that's good. Yeah, and I guess that's just pure luck that I didn't know because, like, obviously, like, who else would have become Candyman or whatever? Because I told you at the end of the movie, I was like, I think Tony Todd is dead, like, as we were walking out of the theater. <laughs> so when they showed him CGI'd on, on Yaya, I was like, no, I think he passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Nah, he's alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I knew nothing, nothing about this going in. And, man, was my mind blown in such a positive way. I think that... Uh, this movie uh, in a way uh, I don't believe I'm the target audience for this movie, but man, did it resonate with me? I, I think that, uh, or maybe that's maybe because I'm ex the exact person who needs to see this movie, uh, whichever one it might be. I am so thankful that I saw it. I'm thankful that this exists. Um, oftentimes we, we, we see movies, and we think of movies uh, as just entertainment, and they really are. But what movies do for us is they're a way to articulate things that we can't say in normal life. Uh, they're, they're a way to open up conversations for dialogues that can't happen in normal life, you know, whether it be with your coworker or your, your friends as close as they might be. Things like this transcend that. And I was so uh, just blown away by the narrative, by the message of this movie, of this film. And I really do hope it gets notoriety and awards, not because it, that's the only thing that puts, uh, th that's what proves movies or films, but that's what gets it to people who may not be as passionate about, about films as us. They kind of like wait to hear what the good movies are, what the good films are, but to put this, right in their face you know some people go and they watch all of the winners of the academy awards after of the sundance awards after uh that's why i want this to win all the all the accolades it deserves uh big big on my list i never thought i'd give what would somewhat can be considered as a horror film it's more so of a thriller uh than anything else i'm giving this a 9.5 out of 10 kernels today Ooh, doggy big score <laughs> big score alert that's going to be the official sound effect of uh, <laughs> scores in the nine. It's just going to be me going, woo, doggy. <laughs> I don't know why I went for that route. I don't know. Record it. Put it in the roadie. <laughs> let's go. Let's let's fire it up. Yeah, man, that's a big score. I love it. I love, love to see it. 
Um, yes, my score. I've been I've been toiling over this for for the last twenty four hours as Kirk saw as Kirk and I saw this movie last last night, which is unfair. I feel like I needed more time to to spend with it uh, to think about it, and I certainly will after this. But um, first of all, got to give my flowers to Nia DaCosta, who's a, a relatively new director on the scene. We've talked about her. Um, great story, Nia DaCosta. She you know, she went to the NYU Tisch School for the Arts, you know, heavily inspired by Martin Scorsese and, you know, got to work with him or, or you know, meet him and, and, and talk to him. That was his alma mater as well. So very cool story there. The fact that her first movie was funded on Kickstarter, uh, Little Woods, uh, you know, based on a short film that she created. I just love it. I love it. And this was her big, you know, I say big budget. It really wasn't that big of a budget of a film. In fact, um, it made almost $23 million in its initial weekend, which is big for the pandemic era and actually makes her, makes it the first film directed by a female black director to debut at number one. So it's, it's all very exciting. And and I feel like, you know, for, for it to be happening to Nia is great. And I can't wait to see her future work because I thought she just brought an, an exceptional flair to this movie beautifully shot, beautifully structured. Like you said, a tight 90, it felt longer in a good way. That's what, that was cool. I, I liked that a lot. Um, so often we come on here and we talk about pacing. You had two and a half hours and you spent so much time on this or that, or you wasted all your time. This was tight and thoughtful and, and they did it the right way. Um, I can't say enough. The acting performances were great. Um, the story arc was great. I love the way it played off the first one. I love the way that it enriched and enhanced the first one and brought all of that in thematically very sound. I think there are a few blips, um, here and there from a, you know, like I talked about in director shoes from a production standpoint, I think the story at times is, is a wee, um, predictable as it builds out, but I really thought it was, it was great. So I got to go 8.5. I really thought it was a great movie. I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I agree with you, Kirk. I hope that it gets some award. Um, I really hope it gets some award accolades. I, I, I'm excited about this movie. I, I love what Jordan Peele's doing, man. What a, what a, yes. He brings so much to the table as, as a voice, such a creative guy. And, and, you know, if he continues to attract other great creators like Nia DaCosta and people, you know, other people that he's working with great actors, um, He's going to make quite a stir in the film industry before it's all said and done. And I got goosebumps just saying that. I mean, he's going to be one of these guys that we look back on and we go, wow, remember when Jordan Peele was getting started? You know, remember what what that was like? And we're going to be going back and looking back at these movies and, and the social impact that they had. And uh, it's cool. It's it's cool. It feels like we're on, we're on the ground floor of something really, something big. Um, so it's exciting. Candyman. Yeah, people are going to. Candyman, 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 Candyman. <laughs> yeah, you posted that thing on on on, uh, on social this morning about who's who's going to do the Candyman challenge. I for sure did it when I got home last night. I was like, let's just get this out of the way. You did it. I did. While my in wife was awake, I was like, in a mirror, let's do it. Fire it off real quick. So if I end up dead, you guys know what's up. It's uh, it's happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the other thing, last thing, I love that Candyman only appeared in the mirror. There was this weird thing going on in the first movie where it's like he was there, but he wasn't, but he was like coming out of the mirror. You know, he, he didn't, but the fact that you could only see him in the mirror and that like they were doing these invisible kills 
was sick. I loved it. I thought it was, yes. I thought it was really great. Um, pee your pants meter. Okay. Let's do this real quick. Let's do it. Pee your pants meter. Uh, first of all, for anybody who's new to the program, Kirk and I are huge wimps major. <laughs> we are so scared. I, I always, uh, I'm starting to really love the horror genre as I watch more and more. Uh, but I always have a little bit of a hesitation when we're going into one of these things. So keep that in mind whenever we give these scores. Okay. So score from one to 10, 10 being you're peeing your pants. It's so scary. Where does this rank? I am going to go first and I am going to give it. Do we do half points? <laughs> have, we, have we ever done that? We I'm can do whatever a, we want. I'm going to give it a five, five out of 10, like a 5.5. I didn't think it was um, like, I don't know. I could see how you would be maybe looking over your shoulder. Obviously the big shtick of the mirror, that is an inherently scary idea, right? Yes. We all have a mirror. We all look into it. You're all, you know, the idea of something being behind you in the mirror is horrifying. That, that just is what it is. And they used it a lot more in this movie than they did in the first movie. And so it made it more effective, but the overall scares themselves, pretty low brow, a couple of jump scares here and there, nothing really to nobody running at the screen, nothing to really give you the fear goosebumps, just a couple of jump scares. Um, there's the part where Yaya's picking at the scab. Ooh, that was just that more was... gross than anything. I couldn't handle that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a 5.5 leaning closer to six than five for me, but that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Kirk, what you got? I would say, yeah, this, this movie is uh, more anxiety inducing than anything else because you're just like, this could all be fixable. (laughs) Like, I mean, in a greater scale, uh, of things of, if if people would just do right, uh, and not be evil like it, it sounds like such a simple ask but then every day in the news i'm baffled by just crazy insane insane things and interactions uh, my rating is a little bit lower than yours and i thought i was a bigger baby for reference we went to universal many years ago many years ago <laughs> in disney in, in florida and there was a walking dead like walkthrough uh, where like basically like a haunted house, if you will. And I used Cameron. Now Cameron's what? Six, three, six, four. Yeah. Six, four. Day. I'm five, eight. <laughs> I used him as a human. Shield yeah. It was a good call. Ran through there. I mean, just, I mean, I was literally moving him like at, at times when I was most scared. And uh, yeah, this one, this one felt more like a thriller to me. Um, and the grossest part, like you said, he's picking at that scab, his Ugh. nail comes off. I can't stand Oh, the nail. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Gross. Do you remember the, like the foot commercial, like with the, like the foot fungus, like, oh yeah, they lift like, up graphic? the nail. Yeah, dude, totally. Man, makes me queasy just thinking about it. That <laughs> moment, I literally, I don't know if you saw me, I literally just looked to my right until I felt like it was over because I couldn't handle it. Uh, but this one gets a four. Four uh, out wow, of ten Wow, Kirk. Getting brave. Getting brave That's on right. me. <laughs> As I continue to shield you in front of me, yes. Yeah, watch out for Kirk in the event of a zombie apocalypse. That's not, not a guy you want to be around. He's going to throw you under the bus as soon as his first opportunity. <laughs> All right. I'm going to Otis you. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just going to leave me for dead. All right. We're turning the page on Candyman. And now for our promised palate cleanser. Let's do this quick-ish. Schoolyard pick of candy. Not movie candy. Not candy categories. I'm looking for specific types of candy. Specific you know, brand name, product name types. All right. 
One massive caveat that I have to add so I don't get roasted on social media. I am allergic to chocolate. So chill. Okay. (laughs) And here's what I would say. If I name something that's chocolate, which is possible, there are some on my list because I've, I've dipped my toes into that water before. Just know that that means I think it's really good because I'm willing to risk my own health and safety for, for a taste. So just take that as it will. Um, (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's get started. It's me first. We get to pick, we each get to pick a team of five. You know, if you guys haven't been around for schoolyard pick, we each pick a team of five, no duplicate picks. We have to go unique picks. So my first pick, I'm going with mini chewy sweet tarts. These are the little round Mm -hmm. ball sweet tarts that you can get at at concession stands pretty much anywhere. Um, Great candy. They've got the right balance of sweet. There's a little, there's a lot of tang there. You, you can eat them in bunches. They make your teeth hurt. They're absolutely delicious. Um, can't, I mean, they're just very straightforward. I have to, I have to go with that. The, the mini Achoo. chewy sweet tarts. They're, they're good for any occasion. I think that's the thing. Great movie candy. Great just like summer kicking it type candy. Stockings, Christmas, um, Halloween, Easter. It's, it's perfect. Anytime. They're, they're, they're a really versatile candy. So I have to yes. go start there. Versatile came to mind. I'm glad you took it out of my mouth. <laughs> my pick goes to classic, the King Reese's or Reese's. Specifically you know, I, Reese's Cups. Reese's just Cups. So we're, just so we're OG. talking the same language. The actual original size. Yes, right? the original size, you know, uh, comes in twos. I mean, yep. there's nothing better than that. Like, you, it, it's the perfect amount. Often as a kid, I was like, why aren't there like six of these in here? And then they did that. They made it the king size and there, and there are that many. Um, but really just this, the two count, um, you know, you get it in your, in your lunchable as your dessert, your sweet, you punch out the middle, you eat that center and then you chew out the, the, the crust, the little crustier side of it too. And just incredible peanut butter and chocolate. If it wasn't apparent by my parent trap reference of Oreos and peanut butter earlier, this is the, just the, what dreams are made of. Just, I I would dream Reese's if I could. Um, There you go. Yeah. That's a good pick. There may be future Reese's picks. (laughs) We might get more specific. (laughs) Just, uh, just a little teaser there for you. Um, Okay. My second pick, I'm going to go with what I think is a really underrated candy. um, The Spree. Sprees. I think Beautiful. sprees are great. Chewy sprees, original sprees, they're both fantastic. Um, I'm partial to the chewy ones because they are a bit softer than the mini chewy sweet tarts, which make them an ideal candy. But the um, the original, the non-chewy, really has a zing to it that is nice. I think each one, this is one of those candies where each color has a really distinct flavor, and so you start to like pick it out, which I think is unique for like a sweet tart esque candy for each one to have its own unique flavor to it. So I, I like the, the reds and the purples. That's where I spend my time and focus my attention when I get some sprees. Yes. But I think that they are an underdog pick. I don't think a lot of people navigate there, but I've never met someone who hates them. And I think that that means something. Yeah. I think they need like a, like a reboot, like a resurgence because I, I haven't, I, I know I never think of sprees anymore. I never, yeah. Really they need a packaging sprees. refresh, a marketing campaign. I agree. Yeah. They need to they but need to go for it. 
that was my candy as a kid going to the movie theaters with my family every time. It was always the Spree's box that will pop out. Yeah, sure. Um, or, you know, the gas station and take it in because uh, I was uh, a thief. So, yes, I would agree. Spree, beautiful choice, beautiful choice. Uh, my next choice is something of a, of a new product out there. Uh, we are not getting paid for this, but Ooh. I'm happy to get paid for this, is that Skittles has released a gummy version of their classic candy. What? That's right, Skittles gummies. I've probably spent over $100 at this point over the past <laughs> two months <laughs> in the this item. I mean, it comes in a bag. Basically, think of like a Lifesaver gummies bag. It looks yeah. just like it. But they have concocted the perfect formula of Skittles in gummy form. I don't hate me. I think I love it more than the original Skittles. Maybe I have sensitive teeth. I don't know. I don't know. But I love it. If you, gas stations have them, it it, it was like a slow burn. Like I found them by surprise at my local gas station about like 10 blocks from my house. Um, Now Target has them. The grocery store has them. They are exploding. And I just need everyone to know about them because I want them to keep this product around. So I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Skittles gummies. They're so good. Wow, Kirk, you just blew my mind. You yeah. just blew my mind, my friend. I didn't yeah. know that existed. So just point of inquiry here. Um, yeah. Size comparison to normal Skittles. Where are we oh, at? Great Is question. Um, there are, so your normal Skittles are smaller than a penny. This one is probably the size of a quarter uh, for, for easy comparison. And I found out when I was traveling on vacation last month or the halfway through this, this current month, tomorrow, September, uh, date of recording, uh, they have... Both. They have two versions. They have the original oh. Skittles gummies, and they have the tropical Skittles Skittles oh, gummies. Oh, I thought you were going to say sour, and I was going to be like, "Hold the phone." I need hey, to I think get that's in my next, car man. right now. <laughs> I think it's next because the because I really wanted the I just wanted them. I was craving them at the airport. I was like, "Someone Hudson News has got to have this. Come on, let's get this." And they had the other version. I was like, "Not bad. Let's go. I'll try that." It was delicious too. Wow, I love it. I love it. Okay, my third pick. I'm going to the chocolate realm. I'm going to the chocolate realm. Kit Kat. I love a Kit Kat. And, and again, I said, I, I, I'm talking original form, not the king size, just the straight up, but really in any form. It's one of those things where the ratio doesn't get jacked up when you shrink it to fun size or when you make it king size. Yes. It's all perfect. It's crunchy. It's got the wafer. Um, I love everything about it. Except for people who bite into it like a candy bar that's like, chaos they just bite into the, the the thing of three or whatever i can't handle that though i am somebody who takes pull and peel twizzlers and just eats them straight Me up too. without peeling i do not peel them I'm you get you way now. more bang for your buck that way the, the peel yeah. is a waste of time and energy it, it's just it's not okay plus and we're getting weird and, and slightly graphic here when you bite <laughs> the pull and peel twizzler and then you can separate it between your teeth into the nine Ooh. it's uh, it's just euphoria I think, it's i think this is the new you know like tie the stem of a chair in your mouth yeah can you separate the you just put it right between your molars your and it's just you know it's it's a beautiful <laughs> thing but yes anyway kit kat unless you're oh. one of the monsters who bites into it just straight up without or like off. sideways right so i've seen people bite them like if these are the four pieces of the kit kat they bite like from the front but i have seen uh someone from the side as well what, like a corn on the cob what, what are Which we is doing more here monster yeah that's terrifying 
Just break it off. Like, they're perforated. Come on. Like I don't think that I ever had to be like taught how to eat that. I think it came instinctually. So I think that people who eat that in those different ways, I don't know if they're more evolved than me no, or serial killers. That's <laughs> sociopaths is what they are. That's a, that's just a fact. Oh, I love it. I love All right. It. Your third pick. My third pick is very specific. Um, are you familiar with crackle chocolate bars? I am. That's my third. That's my pick. Wow. Here's why. Because uh, Crackle was very up and coming in the world of uh, school fundraisers for with candy bars. And all my friends who were in band or whatever it might it might have been, you know, name name your after your uh, extracurricular. Uh, they always had the Crackle bar in there. And it was very similar to a crunch bar. I kind of feel like it is. And I don't know, there's something just a little bit different in their ingredients in their special sauce that, man, it just like throws me back into uh, 2003 immediately. I love it. So you're saying crackle bar greater than crunch bar. No, I'm saying they're similar. I'm saying the experience, but great, great question. Um, I'm saying the experience of the uh uh of the crunch bar of the crackle bar is great and uh, i have to i have to tell myself we do this this particular episode live and i was peeking at the comments and we do have someone chatting in that they eat the kit kats from I the know. side it's shaking me up a little bit to be honest it is <laughs> it's shaking me up but they're making making good points yeah, they do yes yes eating it from the side to separate them i think mm-hmm. that's acceptable I think that's different than what we were chatting about. I agree. About. I think it's different than, you know, biting two sticks with a sideways crunch, half moon, you know, crescent, yeah. straight down the middle. I think that's that's chaotic. That's anarchy. Like these these people, uh, they're they're now stating they can make a TikTok. Yes, please. Because yeah, I was going to do I this need to see it next week on our Shang Chi episode. But yeah, what what we're seeing. Uh, what I've seen is that people bite in, bite into it, and you see like uh, like the the mastication of their yeah, mouth yeah. <laughs> uh, left in there. You just right. see the bite marks and just this hole, this missing hole. Um, but I think your way, I think it's fine. Oh, and she agrees. It's chaos. Thank you. Yeah, you, you have you ever seen killer. that meme where it's like where it's like the futuristic society, and people use it to <laughs> say like society if people didn't do this, you know, like society if everybody rewound the v, the VHSs or whatever. You Ooh, know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't think I have. Uh, Oh, well, that's how I feel. It's like, this is like, we need that meme. And then it's society. If people didn't bite straight into Kit Kat bars, yes. like monsters, because yes. I think that that's really holding us back. Um, Excellent. Okay. So your third pick was crackle. So crackle. I'm on four. I'm on four. And I think, thank you for the specification on crackle versus crunch. That was helpful. Got it. That was helpful. Um, oh man, this is where the rubber meets the road. These four or five picks, you got to really, <sighs> this really tells you who you are. You learn some things about yourself here. Um, you know what? I, Just do it. What are you, what's your truth, Cam? It's got to be original Jolly Ranchers. Okay. Original yeah. Jolly Ranchers. I, I'll never forget when they came out with the blue raspberry and it got added to the core flavors. I think I was in like, I was in school, you know, um, and I was like, whoa, you know, that was groundbreaking. Blue raspberry, <laughs> it's, it's the superior flavor. For them to add a new flavor and have it be better than all of the existing flavors was groundbreaking, especially since so many of the original flavors were already certified bangers. Green apple, grape, solid. Watermelon, excellent. They're just really great flavors already. And 
they last a long time. You get the satisfying crunch. If you know the one thing they have working against them is that there is a statute of limitations on how good they are. Once they yes. pass the sticky line, there's no going back, and that's just that's that's bad news. Because you know, then they're sticking to your teeth. It's not good. It's not good. But you get them fresh out of the bag, original Jolly Ranchers, chef's kiss. So good. Wonderful choice. Wonderful choice. All right, you're on pick number four. <clears throat> My next pick has got to be uh, Mike and Ike's. I do Ooh, love me some Mike and Ike's. Good theater candy. Great theater candy. Some would even say great. the original theater candy. You know? Yeah. I feel like the Mike and Ike's, um, I didn't discover them till much later in life, unfortunately. Uh, and there was a period of time that I became obsessed with them, like I like I am with Skittles gummies now, and I I just consume them all the time. Original only, I, original or Red Faves only. They also had like a Red Faves version, uh, like Starburst uh, came out with. They were the leaders in that, and mm-hmm. uh, I gotta say I love the original Mike and Ike's uh, very much, very much. Great, great pick. All right, my final pick. This Keep in hard. mind. I'm a non-chocolate person, okay? So most of my picks are not chocolate, so don't throw rocks at me. I am going with Sour Punch Straws. Beautiful. Sour Punch Straws. I mean, the sugary deliciousness of Sour Punch Straws, available in many different flavors, including my personal (laughs) favorite, Green Apple. Um, blue raspberry also good watermelon less so uh there are a few great flavors if you were in grade school and you were really an engine of chaos you would stick these in your soda pop as a straw (laughs) and you would just be flying on cloud nine i mean just just drug induced euphoria to the nth degree um it's the closest I've been to, to heaven on earth in fact so i have i have to go sour punch straws particularly you know, in your Mountain Dews, I think that's where it really gets electric. That's that's like, that's like, I don't know. That's next level. It really is. I mean, it's probably the real chemical for meth. Uh, it's like that, those kids that, that used to like snort Smarties. You remember that? Like kids would like crush up Smarties crush and snort it. them like yep. they were cocaine. Yep. Like that's what that is. Um, those kids, wild, wild, <laughs> wild times. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing here, but I don't, I don't like it. Or Pixie Sticks, same thing. <laughs> They would go the same route, but sour punch straws for the win. That's my final pick. I feel like there should be like a cut of, you know, like in the, the, the 90s film, The Faculty with Josh Hartnett, and like they're yep. constantly snorting different drugs. Like the, the entire movie is them snorting drugs. And I feel like I want someone to deep fake that with the sour punch straws <laughs> to yeah. like, like, you know, bring, bring some, uh, yeah. some gravity to the situation. Exactly. Yeah. To bring it down to earth, make it more family friendly and, <laughs> It's probably a similar experience. I don't know, but yes. I, I just have to say. All right, Kirk, yes. your final pick. My final pick. This one's easy. It's, uh, I mean, I, I eat this on, on the regular. Um, peanut butter M&M's. Ooh. Peanut good. butter M&M's. Peanut M&M's, wonderful. Classic M&M's, fantastic. Peanut butter Peanut butter. M&M's will change your life if you haven't had them. There are lots of different variations of M&M's these days. Lots of different, uh, you know, their win their win loss ratio. I don't know. They got to be a little careful. They're getting some crazy stuff going on there. The pretzels, pretzels. That's mm-hmm. a miss. That's a miss. Uh, what was the the crunchy a long time ago? The crunchy, and they brought it back, and it was still not good. <laughs> I'm like, who who authorized this choice? I was expecting like they made it better. They did not. Peanut butter M&M's will be around to the end of time and I'm here for it. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, somehow Reese's Pieces didn't make my list. That's a huge miss. That's a huge okay. miss. But it's Weird. my it's my go to movie candy. That's different. That's a different category. It would easily be top five. Some of my honorable mentions again. Don't throw rocks at me. Payday. I know people hate on sure. the payday. Yep. I like the payday. All right. Um, what was my other one? Starburst. I think Starburst is is Starburst. high up there. Um, and then I had one more. Not Mike and Ike's. Oh, shock. They, uh, they've gone by many different names. I think now they're called Sour Sweet Tarts. They used to be called Shock Tarts. Then they were yeah. called Shockers. And now they're like Sweet and Sour Sweet Tarts or something. I don't know. But it's yeah, dumb. Shockers. Shockers but was the Delicious. Bomb. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Any honorable mm-hmm. mentions I mean, you, for you, Kirk? I mean, you got your big your big dog, Starburst. You got Snickers. You've got um, Reese's Take Five. You know, that merger was huge. That's big. Yeah. There, there is something with peanut butter, chocolate, and pretzels. Whew, that is some good, good stuff. I, You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for a Three Musketeers bar. I, I will say so. Listen, we need to stop the Three Musketeers slander. As as someone who I feel like <laughs> is overqualified to evaluate the quality of chocolate because I don't get to have it very often, Yes, I feel like the Three Musketeers slander is uncalled for. I really do. I feel like it's one of these things where it just kind of snowballed out of control and now we can't roll it back. <laughs> And you, you know, it's like Nickelback only everybody's okay with still hating Nickelback, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's gone too far. It really has. Excellent. Thank you. Also, I think Snickers will be looked at as the glaring omission. I think that will be the one that people look at and they go, wow, how, how could that not happen? You guys said crackle, but not Snickers. I know, right? I think any other two people on the panel, Snickers gets chosen you know, 49 times out of 50. Hey, and dude, there was a time, uh, I used to work at a national monument called the gateway arch, uh, the gateway to the West. And literally every day, um, as a dessert after lunch, I would buy at my place of work, a Snickers bar every day for almost two years. Yeah. You'll live forever. Like Warren Buffett. I think Warren Buffett just turned 91 every day. He drinks five Cokes eats, uh, McDonald's breakfast sandwich, and every week he has Dairy Queen ice cream. Well, I'm set, man. I'm 91 years old. Yeah, that's ba- yeah. I'm like, we're here. We we made it, guys. We're we're gonna be okay. Um, all right, that's all we got for you guys. What an extraordinarily long episode this has been, but all good stuff, all good things. Um, and when we post it in podcast form, I like to put those little timestamps. So if you don't want to hear us talk about candy which like who wouldn't you can jump around and skip around whatever you need to do to make the episode work for you because that's what we're here for um but thank you guys so much for joining us as always for our review of Candyman. i mentioned it earlier in the episode shang chi kirk and i are going to see it in two days time two days from now we will be in theaters watching this film that we've waited so long for we'll be reviewing it on the pod next week remember that one's only in theaters so make sure you check it out what if episode four drops tomorrow? We do our spilled popcorn. I'm behind on video editing right now, so they're not on YouTube yet, but our first two episodes of spilled popcorn, which cover episodes one through three of what if are out there in the podcast verse right now. So go to your favorite podcast provider and find those. And I think that's all we got. We got a lot of exciting, fun movies coming up to talk about a lot of exciting, fun, different activities we've got planned. So we will keep you guys posted, but until that time, I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the great and wonderful band Rhetoric, which you're about to hear right now, who created all of our original music. And we will see you guys next week for Shang-Chi. Talk to you then. Bye.